0: This episode is made possible by our generous patrons. To learn more, visit patreon.com forward
1: slash ink to film. Welcome to the Ink to Film podcast, where we read the book and then see the movie. I'm James. And I'm Luke. And this week, we cover episodes five through seven of HBO's limited series, Sharp Objects. Welcome back from Worldcon, right? You just got back into town.
0: Yeah, San Jose, California. It was a blast. It was, uh, it was my first Worldcon, uh, which is a sci-fi fantasy convention, so all you mystery uh, fans might not really uh, care about it. But just briefly, if anybody saw me there and is checking out the podcast, we are going to be doing a fantasy title next. We had a vote with our Patreon supporters, and uh, then we took to Twitter <laughs> to break a tie. And so we're going to do Coraline by Neil Gaiman. Uh, is our next project, which I'm very excited about. So even if this isn't your your sort of thing, I don't know why you're listening to it if it is, but <laughs> make sure to check out Coraline next.
1: Yeah, and I, I mean, this, this project has been amazing. So if you don't think you like it, maybe you should test it out and then see if you don't like it because I really, I really recommend it.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a good bit of TV in my opinion. And, and that's something I want to talk about um, if you're ready to, to just get into it, but um, I think maybe maybe I'll recap more of Worldcon in our next bonus episode if I have time. We'll see. I do want to I do want to kind of fill you in on more of that and and enter our listeners in on more of that, but I don't want to do it in a Sharp Objects
1: episode. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean I'm looking forward to hearing more about it. Rolling into our coverage here, we we are covering episodes five through seven right. of the Sharp Objects HBO series. There's a, I just wanted to address a couple of things before we jump into the actual coverage. Uh, I wanted to make sure that I talked about some of the people who were involved in crafting this show. Okay. Last time we did a show episode, I talked a little bit about Jean-Marc Vallée and a tiny little bit about uh, Marty Noxon, but I wanted to talk more about kind of how it all comes together. Okay. So uh, Marty Noxon, as we talked about last time, is the uh, showrunner and she's also a writer on the show. So she actually, uh, I have listed here a couple of things that I wanted to say. So she's showrunner and writer. Jean-Marc Vallée is the director. And Amy Adams and Gillian Flynn are all executive producers. So they're all kind of involved in creating the story. And what I didn't realize until this week is that uh, Gillian Flynn also wrote a few of the episodes. So I wanted to run these by you. So Marty Noxon, who is the showrunner and creator, um, she wrote episode one. And then Gillian Flynn wrote episode two. And then Gillian Flynn and a writing partner wrote episode seven, which will be the last episode of our coverage this week. Mm. And then Marty Knox and the creator and Gillian Flynn worked together to write the finale, which we're going to cover next week. But yeah, I thought it was cool to, to see like how many people go into, I, I feel like I talked a lot about John Mark Valle last week and he, I think he deserves it for the directing that he does on the show, but a lot of people are involved in, in helping create this story.
0: Yeah, that's cool to hear. I mean, the fact that she is able to write the screenplay for for an episode that's an adaptation of her work i mean that's that's awesome that i mean not only does it show her level of talent but it's also i think every creator's dream to be able to work that intimately with an adaptation
1: yeah and she I, i listened to an interview with her and she was talking about what it was like to revisit and kind of add in some of those scenes and flesh out the world and it's something that you and i have talked about on our last show episode how it feels like they're using their time well feel like that's definitely influenced a lot by Gillian Flynn and the fact that she's a producer and writing on the show.
0: Well, and also she wrote this book in 2006 and it is now 2018. So as a writer who looks back at work and and I'm not, this isn't unique to me. A lot of writers talk about this. I look back at work I did a year ago and I think I would do this differently now. I would want to change this. And Mm -hmm. so I can't imagine that in 12 years she hasn't changed as a writer um, and so this is kind of an opportunity for her to go back and tweak something, right? Tweak it a little bit, maybe put a spin on it that, that appeals to her more now is where she's at creatively.
1: So I think, I, I, it's really cool that she's able to do that. Yeah. So I just wanted to shout everybody out and and make sure everybody got the credit that they were due because this show is amazing and a lot of people are working on it.
0: We should also mention the, the
1: layout of how we're doing
0: this. Um, I mean, if you're if you're this deep into it, you might be aware, but basically we've we've been uh, divvying it up, show and book, show and book, switching back and forth. But our next episode is going to be the finale of the show and the last two chapters of the book combined, um, which I'm going to read the book first. Finish the book first, and you're going to finish the show first, and then read the book. So we'll both we'll both uh, have a, a a unique perspective to share with the other. So I'm excited for that, and and, and honestly, this show still holds a lot of mystery for me. I, I think I'm really I think there's there's some stuff to happen in this final episode that's going to
1: hopefully blow my mind a little bit. So I'm excited about that. Me too. The only other thing I wanted to mention before we get into the coverage is the music in the show. And how it started out where I was like, wow, this is really great music selection. And, and it was cool that we were, she was using the like other phone or iPod or whatever she had to listen to the music in her car. But it's gotten to the point now where I've gone back to other episodes and like Shazammed them or like tried to find this. Because I really like a lot of this music. So yeah. I'm like putting it, adding it into playlists. I actually Shazammed, I think, two different songs. I wonder
0: if it'll be one of the same ones. <laughs> um, during... I shazammed two different songs during these
1: episodes. So that's funny yeah. that you said that. <laughs> I, nice. I I've, I have a feeling one of the one of the two will at least be the same. It might be. So yeah, I should also mention we're going to get into we're going to be
0: getting into spoilers, right? Like basically right off the bat. because um, there's a couple things I want to I want to talk about that 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 are definitely uh spoiler area. So if you if you haven't seen the show, you know, if you want to hear just like our initial thoughts of it, go back to their earlier episodes. So last time after we covered uh, the chapters, before I watched the show, I developed a theory that I wanted to put out there, and I almost like, I was regretting not saying it on the show, um, but really this theory was before I watched anything, or before I watched anything, right? But I believe, and you know, I'm probably wrong, but I, I have the strong sense that we're, that the teeth, the missing teeth, that no one has been able to recover yet, are gonna be found mm-hmm. in Amma's dollhouse. Okay. How do you like that theory? I can see that happening, yeah. I think they're going to there's going to be a scene in the final episode where the police or whoever's breaking open the dollhouse and there's going to be like teeth hidden in there. Okay.
1: So this is this is the thing to get in like I guess we we can we should just talk about it cuz we're in full spoilers. Full spoilers. Um, you still with with the coverage that we've got from the book and the show up to this point, you still think that it's Ama full on?
0: I think it's so my theory is that it's Ama in the book for sure, In the show I I mean that might that I don't know. So they haven't they haven't strayed very far. It's been a very faithful adaptation. Yeah. And so it would be shocking if they changed who the killer was, right? Like that would be a huge change. So yeah, I guess I still do think it's Ama. I think the show has done a lot more for me to feel sorry for Ama, but it still could be that twist and maybe it'll just be even more shocking in the show.
1: I feel like the, the show, if anything, has done an excellent job of making me feel like Ama is more sympathetic. Yeah. Like I'm much more sympathetic towards her. So I don't know. We'll see how it all plays out, and we'll talk more about it as we get through the coverage.
0: I did want to. I did want to address a general criticism I've heard of this show. And
1: have you have you have you heard any of this? Have you seen general criticism about it? I, I, I just saw a little bit of people saying that like not much happens. That's that's what I've heard. I've heard I've heard
0: people say that they find this show to be slow. A uh, few different times, you know, not just an isolated thing. So. I just want to get your take on, do you agree with that criticism or where do you land on that?
1: So with my background in in like classic film and a lot of different things, pacing is something that's that's important to me, but something being a slow burn isn't isn't a downside to me. So like something for, in this case, I feel like the show has good pacing. But it's just a very slow burn so it's not very it's not it's not constantly like in your face like crazy stuff happening but i think that's important because in a show like this i feel like jean-marc valet is able to really portray this sort of atmosphere that he wants to and like the dreamlike qualities and just like the tension that's always just it's always like this underlying tension it's not like outward tension it's just this internal thing that, that it's like the feeling of the city so um to answer your question um, no, I don't. I feel like it is slow, but I don't feel like it's a bad thing. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think I'm kind of with you. It's something that
0: I only was paying attention to because I'd heard it called out. I, don't, I definitely don't think that's something I would have thought on my own. But I'm a, someone who, I mean, we talked about this with Blade Runner. I'm able to kind of submerse myself in, a, in an interesting world. And that experience is fun enough to me. That I, the pacing can be slow as long as there's always something happening, and I think with the show there is, and and maybe it's very maybe for whatever scene it's very character focused, right? Or it's or it's revealing, it's v- revealing something that happened in the past or whatever it is. There's normally there's, it's not like they're wasting scenes in my opinion, where there's just literally nothing happening. It just might not be very flashy. It might not be uh, something that moves the plot towards discovering who the killer is, which I do understand that a lot of people who like these kind of shows want to feel like the the uh, investigation is progressing at a at a you know what I mean at a good pace. And so if you're if you're someone who really wants to know the answer to the mystery and see the investigation unfold, you might get frustrated by like Calhoun day where it felt like not a lot was happening um, as far as the plot goes. But for me, I think the world and the characters and le- getting to know them and learning more about their backstories and just seeing them change th- from what the story is doing to them, um, that has pulled me along and and I'm with you. I have not felt like this show dragged. I, I've enjoyed watching it completely. And, and I don't even think it's something I would have thought of if I hadn't heard that criticism.
1: Yeah, I mean, for me, like I said, I think there's a difference in pacing. Like, I don't think that the show has bad pacing. I think what it is, is the show it really is taking its time. And it's not, the show isn't all about the investigation, like you were saying. Right. It's not, the show isn't the investigation. The show is Camille going and facing these demons from her, from her town. And so for us to get the context of the town, and we didn't even get this in, in the book, but to have Calhoun Day... I feel like in in a lesser in a lesser show, Calhoun Day would have been it would have felt like filler. It would have felt like something where you're they're just wasting time to to pad more episodes out in order to make the show last longer. Yeah. But for me, Calhoun Day had a lot to flesh out the characters interacting with each other and just the city in general.
0: I can also see book readers who might get frustrated because they already know the answers to the questions, right? They already know who the killer is. Now we're a book, we're book readers, but we haven't finished it yet. And I think there's something to be said for the mystery can also pull you along through scenes, right? Because you're still, you still want to know. Whereas people who do know the answers might start getting impatient, right? I can see that. But so anyway, I'm not saying you're wrong if you feel that way. You know, yeah, we're not here to tell you you're wrong. But for us, we just, we just haven't felt that way. It sounds like.
1: So, I think this is the perfect time to jump into episode five if you're ready. Yeah, I'm ready, man. Let's do it. Okay, let's do it. So, episode five is closer. Last episode that we that we covered was episode four and it ended with a cliffhanger. And I just wanted to mention the fact that it didn't pick up, The this episode doesn't pick up with any of that. Not really, yeah. It, it almost doesn't address it at all, which, I mean, that felt a little weird to me,
0: right? Like if you're going to leave it on this big cliffhanger to then just kind of act like you didn't almost.
1: <laughs> I felt like it was this, this sort of like Camila specifically is seeing things and like she's getting flashes of things throughout the show. So I feel like it was another situation of that. But just it being at the end of the episode and it being like a ramp up, it felt like. Yeah. Felt a lot like a cliffhanger, and then all the stuff with Alan um, just wasn't addressed. I feel like that was to throw people off the scent of Ama or Adora. If, I'm if, not you know crazy I mean. that
0: he was like had a gun last episode. No,
1: it was a knife. It was a gun or a knife. I thought it was a. I thought it was this old style gun he like had
0: out and was like. You're right. There. It was like on the table or something while he was listening yeah. to his music, and the the camera definitely looked at it. And I thought the implication being that he might, he's like, oh, he might even have the gun. Maybe he's going to shoot Adora. I don't know. And then, I mean, it's just
1: not addressed, right? Like, everything's just normal. Like, nothing happened. I don't know. It was a little, a little odd. I, like I said, I think the whole thing was just a red herring. I think it was a, a situation where you're like, it's the end of an episode, so they want to leave a cliffhanger. Yeah. And it's also like, let's make Alan look like he's guilty in something or some more mysterious.
0: Have you noticed that the music has been different, I believe, for every single intro?
1: Yes, I wanted to address that, too. I I forgot about that. Well, this one was really striking
0: because it was someone humming. And it was like, okay, this is not what I've been getting. (laughs) Like you immediately realize this is not the intro we've been getting for every other episode.
1: I forgot. um, In the first, in the our first coverage, I felt like the intro was was different each time, and then I just got caught up and didn't go back to check it out. And then, like you said, yeah, when I got episode five, the opener, it was like the the, it's like a man's like humming voice. Yeah. And uh, I was like, wow. That's when I realized I went back and checked, and I was like, yeah, they're all different.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of them are kind of similar, and so maybe that's why there is a. I did notice there is kind of one theme song that we got at the end of one of these episodes and I feel like we've gotten here or there that's been a recurring bit of music. So it's not like there's no music that recurs, there is, but it's it's very sparse and and yeah, it's at the very end of the episode almost as they're fading to black. Um, but otherwise, I think every other every other bit of music we get is um what what's that word for for that kind of music?
1: diegetic that
0: occurs in the sing
1: yeah diegetic diegetic yeah so I think
0: almost every other bit of music we get is diegetic and they almost they allude to that in the intro too because the music always starts playing as soon as the record player starts yeah so it's almost like like it's diegetic in the intro itself
1: it's cool. I mean, the the intro in general is pretty pretty solid too, and it yeah. gets me it gets me hyped to to go back into Wind Gap.
0: Yeah, that, that awful awful place, of Wind Gap. <laughs> yep. it's and 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 we should talk about it with Calhoun Day. I mean, we're, I'm, we're kind of skipping around a little bit, so maybe you want to give like a like a synopsis for the episode, and then we can
1: yeah we can discuss it. Episode five is closer. Workers begin dressing up the backyard of Adora's home for the Calhoun Day celebrations as Amma discovers Camille's article about the murders. Angry Amma steals Camille's clothes in the dressing room when shopping for an outfit and Camille is forced to reveal her scars in front of Amma and her mother who is hurt that she did it out of spite. A guilt-ridden Amma soon presents Camille with a dress and apologizes. During Calhoun Day, Richard notices Bob Nash heavily drinking at the party while Ashley confronts Camille for not including her in the article. Adora notices Camille talking with Richard and takes him on a private tour of the house, where she tells him that Camille is dangerous. During the play, a fight emerges between Bob and John, and a frightened Alma flees. The guests go on a search for Alma, but Camille finds her injured in the shed and brings her home.
0: Was she frightened? Though I don't know if I agree with that bit of synopsis.
1: There, Adora coldly insults her daughter. A distraught Camille flees and arrives at Richard's motel and has sex with him.
0: Yeah, this is a this is a, the biggest departure. Um, as far as Calhoun day, right? Like this is completely something that only happens in the show. Didn't happen in the book at all. Um, so I think that's a good place to start out. Like what did you
1: think of that, of this additional scene, major scene that we got? So um, the Calhoun, I think it's Zeke, right? Zeke Calhoun or something like that. They, they sh- The statue is shown multiple times because it's in the center of town in the show I remember something in the book where they specifically kind of go in detail about Calhoun for a little bit, like a brief thing about like the history and why he's like memorialized in the town. It's cool because like they kind of just took that little bit and flushed it out into a full episode and had this this like party. It was just I think it was a cool way to get everybody in the same location um for something that's not like in their minds isn't sad like a funeral but it's sad because it's like th- what they're celebrating is pretty fucked up
0: well in and the and, and and I have to call I mean as much as I heap f- praise on this show this is one spot where I felt like it was borderline too much and that was the the scene of the play and literally like a girl getting raped and like burnt alive at, you know, at the tree and just how the crowd was just like cheering and just so into it and yeah. and like I know what they're trying to say, right? And they're trying to talk about this fucked up um, history that often can get celebrated and all this stuff but it was, that I think there's a point, and it's going to be different for different people where it almost goes too far, like you start to see I started to see what they were trying to say more than what was actually being said Mm-hmm. Um, if that makes any sense. I I don't know. It was just almost too much and it felt a little bit like, whereas I felt like the rest had been a um, pretty legitimate indictment of what small town life can be like and and a lot of the like dark side of humanity that still exists, right? Where to me, this was the one point where I felt like it was crossing a line, it was almost crossing a line too far to where it felt almost like a caricature of what small town life could be like. Like I, just, I didn't. Well, quite I will say, like it.
1: this happens, like this kind of stuff does happen. But it's just you're saying specifically in the play the fact that they were like cheering during the race. Yes, it was that, the way the crowd
0: much. was reacting to what was happening on stage that just didn't yeah. quite feel right. Like as bad as people can be, and I'm no, there's no denying that the idea that you can get get like 300 people around to just cheer when a girl's getting burned at the, you know, instead of yeah, you know, I don't know. It just the reaction was a little bit off to me. Um... Sounds like it didn't bother you, but, but, uh, you know, just to
1: me. I, I still buy it because for me, they were cheering. So, th- th- what they saw as like so noble and so like worth praising was the fact that even when she was being raped and tortured and beaten or whatever it was, um, she wouldn't give up her husband or whatever. And that's like the very, like, Uh, like that's like in their eyes the right thing to do and and like that's such a noble thing that she had to go through and everything and like honestly like i don't i don't think that that's too i think i could see bad people like cheering for something like that and no no, look at her she didn't and
0: and what do i know i mean there's plenty of uh gatherings of, of terrible people cheering terrible things in this country so um, yeah, maybe, um, I don't know, just for me, I remember in that moment, I just didn't quite, it just didn't quite land, but I got, gotcha. but you're right. I mean, maybe, maybe I'm just, maybe I just, uh, was letting my, my personal feeling of like, this is so terrible. How can these people be cheering it start to like bleed over into me feeling like I didn't believe it It's possible. You know what I mean? Right. Like maybe
1: I didn't want I mean, to believe it. Yeah. I thought it was ridiculous. Like I couldn't believe that it was actually happening, but it didn't like take me out of it or anything. Yeah. Cause
0: I can, I, I think it's like small acts of cruelty. Are, are a lot easier for me to stomach because it's just one person, right? But just seeing a mm-hmm. whole crowd like that. But, yeah, like I said, uh, we do see proof of that all the time. So, yeah, who knows? Let's let's move on. So the scene itself, I think, is an interesting addition because it gets all of our major characters together. It gets all of the major suspects together all at one event, and there's a lot of little interpersonal tensions between Adora and... and, and um, camille and and the and the police both police officers and ama with her little you know storyline about getting getting, you know taking drugs and then going up on stage there's like the added tension of that i'm like what's she gonna do so there's a lot of cool little ways they introduce tension to all these scenes to keep it to me interesting although like we've already said there may be some people who disagree with us there
1: I liked seeing um, Richard with Adora and like sh- her taking him through the house and showing him all the stuff. I th- thought that was interesting. And something that's also show, I think show only, was we were able to tie everything together and realize that the guy that was like the teacher for Ama, we looped it back around that he was like one of the guys that was involved in like having sex with yes. Camille back in the day. So I thought that was like a way to tie that back in and make him like... Be this like ominous presence, and and then later we they later in the episode they do him trying to apologize, and I thought that was just like really interesting. What did you feel about that?
0: Yeah, it was interesting, and I think in, if that character doesn't come back, I think you could view it as you know an honest thing that this guy feels bad about, and he felt like he really needed to bring up and talk to her about. I mean, and in his mind, that means that it was a rape, right? Whereas we've seen. Camille try and kind of cast it as as a consensual thing. So, yeah, I don't know. That's a it's a really tricky thing and I think to remain as anonymous as possible, there there are there are things like that I would hear about when I was in school. And you you would never know what story you were getting and whose side you're getting from things like that. And you know, something that was being described as consensual, maybe it wasn't. Um because you're maybe hearing only one part of it and and it's it's a dark thing that I think can happen especially with kids who don't know who maybe don't aren't thinking about you know or don't understand the weight of what they're doing right as so often is the case when you're young um so yeah i mean it's 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 a very touchy subject, and I am always impressed with authors and filmmakers who can who can bring this sort of stuff to the screen and 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 handle it in a way that isn't. Uh,
1: insensitive so something something else I thought would be worth bringing up was the way that the chief is acting towards Adora and like with his wife around he's like staring at Adora and he's like like there's there's something there clearly and we've talked about that before Um, and I felt I just want to say like how bad I feel for the chief's wife like it's just so like I felt so bad the entire time she just seems like the nicest person yeah, that's true.
0: And and is is this an ongoing affair, or is it more that at my theory is that it's at some point in the past, maybe there was an affair? Yeah, and, and I wonder if we're going to get more confirmation on that, or if it's going to be left as something just kind of hinted at in this final episode. It's mm-hmm. something to to pay attention to, for sure. Um, it is interesting to me as well that Adora and Vickery had this relationship of some kind, and then we see Camille and Ran and Richard, right? Like, we... At some point, a character says about you know the, uh, them love loving the men in badges, right? And like that's kind of true. And it's, I think it's also an interesting thing where they're they're kind of talking about how how people do take after their parents. Sometimes, even a parent you hate, there can still be certain ways you take after them, right? <laughs> and <laughs> um, whether or not that's what's
1: going on with Camille, I don't know. But it's just interesting that it is that it, that's what we're seeing. So Adora continues to just impress me, like Patricia Clarkson c- continues to just impress me by how like despicable she's able to get and how like she's so convincing. And, and yeah. specifically, I was talking about before when they went into the house and she was giving the tour of the house, we see the ivory floor makes a, an appearance in, in the yeah, show. Yeah, there was a
0: little, um, a little story kind of about a photographer there doing like a story about Adora, I think. And, and uh, we see Camille, young Camille, uh, take the camera and, and take a picture of Marion. And uh, I, I don't know, like, what did you make? Any, what
1: did you make of that scene? I think that that she was taking pictures there, um, and then later, or uh, before or later, we see a picture. It like uh, we see a picture on the wall. It's like something about like it's one of those homing magazines, and we see like her in in the room with only one of her daughters, and I think it was only Miriam. So she literally took a picture in that room with only Miriam and without Camille yeah so I felt like that that p- picture taking scene was also you know and then she obviously like tracked mud in when she was grabbing the camera and that yeah. was another moment of her being like you're ruining this perfect which form. was almost
0: like a little bit silly because it's like yeah has she been walking through the entire house tracking huge muddy footprints everywhere <laughs> and then she's like hey, you know I'm gonna stick a foot in, into this and like didn't realize that her it was, it was gonna leave a big muddy footprint yeah, <laughs> it was almost like a little smudge. I would have bought, but it was like she had just come in from outdoors, and there was just like pff, mud or and, and dirt. Um, but I get the point they're trying to make. I do want to say the ivory floor to me, even if they don't make the connection deliberately, there is a very strong connection between uh, you know illegal ivory that's still kept in this house and and the missing teeth, right? Because that is For basically sure. teeth of elephants right so i think there's got to be something there there's got to be at least thematically there is at least a link there
1: oh yeah I, i completely agree and um something else when richard is in the house they they go up to the wall the silk wall with the painted on flowers and i just wanted to i wanted to shout out the set design in this moment because it's just this this whole show is like it's it feel everything feels so lived in and real and then this wall is so striking for some reason and it's not very vibrant colors it's just like this where it's like this dark green with mm-hmm. these flowers on it and just seeing that wall because of the poster for the show and all these other things like that makes me think of wind gap just that color scheme and like yeah. i think that was really cool and what did they say it was like
0: to... hand painted silk or something crazy like that like i've never heard of a, of a wallpaper being hand
1: painted silk that's wild that's so. I mean, how could it's like anything bumps it, it's gonna rip. <laughs> it's yeah. just like, well, and that shows like how this house is, right? Like it, I don't know. It's 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 crazy. It's it's, a, it's a, such a great set. You're right. So I guess the the kind of the last part of this episode is Bob and and John get into that fight, and Bob has to be escorted away. And during that moment, Alma runs away. And what was that to you? Was that just Alma seeking attention, or what do you think?
0: Yes, I think that was um attention seeking behavior in my opinion. And she she was at the center of attention, right? For this play. She literally is the the lead role, right? Everyone's clapping for her, cheering her on. She's she's being really dramatic and soaking it all in. And then all of a sudden this fight breaks out and everybody turns around and the everything comes to a halt and no one's paying attention to her anymore. And so what does she do? She has a fit, goes running off into the woods. There has to be a big search. Everyone's calling for her. And now all of a sudden she is again the center of attention. So I continue to think that Ama is villainous. And I think the show is doing a lot to try
1: and make us think she's not in these last few episodes. But I still believe that's where we're going. I the logical part of me once like agrees with you, and I think that Amma is definitely guilty of something here. But I just I agree the show has just done such a good job to to steer me away from that emotionally. Like I feel like I want to I want to help this little girl, you know what I mean, and get her away from the situation. And yet she might be involved by the end. So you remember when there's a scene I think in a
0: future episode where Amma is talking to Camille about letting boys do things to her, and how she says when when I let them do things, I'm actually Doing things to them or something like mm-hmm. that, right? And it's it's talking about how she can get them to do things for her, like she can control them that way. Yeah. I am thinking about her relationship with her mother, and I could see Ama playing it the same way. She lets her mother do things to her, i.e., baby her, I you know, dress her up, give her medicine, all this stuff, um, as a way to control her own mother. Um, so that's why I can see that I, I could totally see a situation where Ama killed the girls and then forced
1: Adora to help her cover it up. That's interesting. I feel like Adora is more guilty than that being forced but to, to cover it up. But Yeah,
0: like or, or it's more maybe not directly forced, but like Ama's got Adora wrapped around her finger and, and Adora doesn't even realize it because of the way Ama views these things. Right, like we've seen her be, she knows who Machiavelli is, right? <laughs> like we've seen her, she's she's capable of these grand schemes,
1: I think. Uh, so it, I don't know, I think they're setting it up at least for for us to be able to believe that something like that could yeah. be true. Like I said, I think you're right. I think it's gotta be her and that's the most logical like ending to me. I think that would be the most surprising and the most impactful. But like I said, they're just doing a great job to, to make me not want really not want that to happen. Yeah, I think they're setting uh, Alan up as, as a potential another source. But I think there is a, there's a couple of telling
0: things at the very end of the final episode that make me feel like Alan is actually just more of a victim in all this.
1: Yeah, well, maybe not a victim, maybe just like trying to remain blissfully unaware.
0: Yeah. Uh I don't know. It just it made me sad. He was having these like flashbacks and the and, and we'll you know, we'll get to it, but he has these flashbacks yeah. where he where he's thinking about Marion and like spinning around dancing with her and all this stuff and we know that she's been killed by Adora. I don't know. In that moment I felt really bad for Alan, even though the whole time I'd been I've been so frustrated with him.
1: Yeah. Last thing I wanted to do in this episode is talk about the veranda scene. After Camila's found Alma, they come back, and at that night when Alma's asleep, they have this this uh, conversation that completely makes the episode for me. Like it's the best part of the episode, and just like solidifies how the show progresses going forward because Adora. Is like the way that it's the way that it plays out. I almost felt like Adora was, you know, caring for for Camille, and they were like bonding in a way, over, over protecting Alma. Yeah. And then by the end of it, she just hits you with this bombshell of just like, I th- this is why I never loved you, kind of thing. Yeah. And just the 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 reaction of Amy Adams in that moment, and just this whole scene is just like a masterclass in acting, and
0: it's so good because we can see that in Adora's mind. I mean, Adora is is got severe problems, you know, and we're just getting to learn them. But in Adora's mind, Camille knows, oh, of course you know that I never loved you. This isn't, in her mind, this isn't news. But rightfully so, when Camille hears it stated so plainly, it's vicious, right? Um, Because nobody wants to think their parent doesn't love them. And even though Adora might think, of course, you know, you already know this, and I'm just telling you something you already know, to to Camille, it's just it's it's brutal. Um, so, like you said, I think it is. I think it is a brilliant bit of uh, storytelling and and well portrayed on screen. I wanted to mention so two other things. Um, first off, Camille and Curry um, continue to have these awesome phone conversations where Curry is is like there for her, right? Like he's this uh, voice of reason and and voice of comfort. Um, so I think he's taking on the role, in my opinion, of like a surrogate father for her in this in this show and in the book. Right. Like because she has no father. Her father is completely absent. Um, and Alan certainly isn't that as a, as the stepfather. So, yeah, I think Curry takes on that role. Do you think that the, the show is trying to say anything in particular by having Curry step in that way?
1: I, I mean, I just think that it's it's the only thing that she has going for her in her life is getting the hell out of Windgap was what it is for me so it's like she she's just like stuck in all of these things that that brought her to cutting herself and drinking heavily and all of these things growing up um and now she's back facing them and i think it's just for me it's like when whenever she talks to them like that's her life like she needs to get away from this and get back to that but first she's gotta for the sake of these kids who are murdered and then later as we learn like potentially for the sake of ama who is maybe being poisoned um, so you think he's kind of um he kind of represents a connection to that to that other life she has? Yeah, I think so. I think he's the like in terms of this story, he is like I think he is the father figure. He's like mm-hmm. the only one who actually cares about her in a real way. And then like this like that's our end game, right? Like we're looking like she's, she just got to figure this out and then get back over there.
0: Yeah, and speaking of end game, I think this show is ta- is is a lot about trauma and it's a lot about how family can be dangerous and poisonous at times especially family like this um and how i think the the message behind curry now we'll see what happens in the final episode but could it potentially be that a found family can be a viable replacement for people and and give you what you need from those relationships and if someone who isn't your father like curry but maybe you have that relationship with like that maybe you need to lean into that. And, and a lot of people, you know, I know a lot of people who have had strained relationships with their family, um, you know, whether it being, for, you know, coming out uh, with their sexuality and getting disowned or, or whatever it might be, there's a million ways that this can go down. Um, and a lot of people have found comfort and found family. Um, so even though it's not a big thing in this show, I think you can see it that way, right? Like it's a potential, a potential positive.
1: Yeah, and I think a lot of people have that too. It's like even if you do have a pretty good relationship with, with certain family members and then maybe not with others, your friends do end up becoming your family if right. you if you're close enough with them. So definitely agree with you.
0: So there's also the we get the we get the dress scene, which is a little different in the show, but, but basically the same. And the first time we see Amma see the scars, we see Adora pulls uh, Camille's clothes out of the dressing room and sort of forces her to reveal her scars. Um, And then acts surprised when she sees him, even though you would think she would understand it. Like, what is going on in this scene? What's your take on it?
1: I think she just, it was just a vindictive thing. Like, it was just, she was just maliciously wanting, like, I don't know if it's necessarily that she wanted Amma to see it or if she just wanted Camille to feel bad about it. Just bad about the fact that she had done that to her.
0: In another moment of great writing and, and acting where she seems like she's coming around to, um, Oh my gosh, you know, I can't believe this like it's it, this thing is so awful, I'm so glad that you're past it. right? she says, Is it over now? And she says, Yes. But then she gets that <laughs> turns around and stabs her with the um you're you're ruined now. Right? Um and man, like, the 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 stuff that Adora says is just it's so it's so
1: cutting. Um, mm-hmm. you know, pun intended. Episode six is called Cherry. Alan blames Camille for her mother's illness and reprimands her for mentioning the dead girls and threatens to kick her out. Flashbacks show Camille as a cheerleader back in high school during which her friends would make nasty remarks about her period. Becca, the only black girl, helps her and notices the word cherry carved on her thigh. In present day, Camille joins her old friends for brunch and only connects with Becca. Richard digs into Camille's past and visits the psychiatric hospital. That night, as Camille purchases liquor, she finds Amma who invites her to a party. There, John and Ashley show up, but soon Amma and her friends drunkenly abuse the two, which causes them to leave. Amma convinces Camille to take Oxycontin and Ecstasy, and the two of them roller skate through Wind Gap. The two return home, and soon Amma begs to come with her to St. Louis. Amma and Camille pass out in Camille's bedroom, while Adora watches with sadness. I don't know if I would say sadness but I would definitely say creepiness. Yeah. <laughs> like she always knows whatever they're doing. She yeah. peeks in the room at the end. Watches with creepiness. I like that.
0: Yeah. Uh, this this is another scene that, uh, or no, this, this is a lot of the same stuff we got in the book. And, and I did want to get your take on, I know we had, a, we had quite a bit of discussion about how we felt about this party, right? In the book yeah. and whether or not we bought it and the way she was behaving and the way she was she was reacting to everybody. Did it play better for
1: you in the show or was it about the same or it felt a little off? At first, I thought it was gonna play better, and I was like, "Oh, cool! It's it's seeming like it's gonna be a little more believable." And then I was just like, no, it's the same." <laughs>
0: it was the same for you. Okay. Yeah, I
1: just couldn't. I was like, I just. Do you want to outline outline why? It's mostly just because it's the age difference, and yeah. the, the I understand that she's hurting and that she wants an escape, but I just don't buy that that she would just like be wanting to like when okay so there's the cut and i think it's a brilliant piece of filmmaking to she like holds the hand out with oxycontin and we cut away and we only later learn that she actually did take the oxycontin yeah. i think that's fun and i think that that's like a solid piece of storytelling but i also feel like it just doesn't it doesn't make sense to me like i would just feel like she would either like if she wanted them to like her maybe like fake it so that she was still had her head on her but i don't know taking oxycontin with your 13 year old sister just doesn't seem believable to me the Oxycontin
0: was revealed in a way that it was, I think, supposed to be the explanation. Like, we're supposed to be right. going, why is she going along with this? And then it, we get the reveal of her taking the Oxycontin. So we're like, oh, so she's like, she's high and that's why she's going on with it, I guess. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, is, I, it does feel a little weird. I, I guess for me, it was marginally better in the show. I mean, I would agree with that. I think it's probably a little bit better, but I still just didn't buy it. And maybe because we didn't see, we didn't get her thoughts where she's like, oh, the cool kids like me. Right, right. whereas we got a little bit of that in the book. And even though in the book Camille realizes it's it's crazy, it's still like a crazy thing to think. Um, whereas in the show, it was a lot more like, in my opinion, it felt like she was kind of thinking she could multitask. Like, I'm going to get fucked up, but I'm also going to like investigate, at, you know, yeah. on the sly.
1: Well, that's what that, one of the characters even says that to her, right? They're like, come on, you'll get some stories. if you, I think Amma says that to her or something about like, if you come with us, you'll hear some stuff. Yeah, maybe. But. I know. I know her friend
0: says that when they go to the. Is that in this episode where she goes to the, her friend's house with the adult version of the cheerleaders and they're watching the movie? Yep. Okay, so she definitely says that. She's like, "You're gonna get, uh, you know, an entire story in the first ten minutes." Maybe of being that's what there. I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Um and that scene that that place is another thing we should definitely talk about. Like I love the scene where she walks in and there's just weeping. Like there's like <laughs> six women just weeping openly at the sh- TV and she just looks at her friend like like this is such bullshit. Like so the, I think the implication is that it's it's either all an act or or I don't know what it is. Like what what was your read on
1: that? Like why why was it so over the top? Well, yeah, it's like it's it's they're all attention seekers. So like, yeah, if you're not crying, then like that's that's gonna be seen as like I don't know in that moment like all, they're all just trying to like get as much attention as they can. So like, if you're not crying, then you're not a part of it, and you're not you don't need the attention as much as somebody else who's crying and then they continue it into like their life's things that well, are going on in their lives. Yeah.
0: And 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 if you're not crying it's because you don't feel as much as I do. Like I'm right. the most empathetic. I you know what I mean? And this comes back later with the children thing, right, where you can't you can't feel how bad this is cuz you don't have a child. And that yeah, I like that connection to the to the to the movie thing. You know, I am the one who's the most emotional and the most caught up in this sort of stuff.
1: It's like it's all a contest. Yeah. Um, I like that a lot actually I wanted to say something about the show that I would that I would contend is why I like it so much is is these character moments that they have even for minor characters like character interactions and specifically she um, and her friend leave they walk out into the garden area or whatever and they're all talking out there and then all the women have to come follow because they're like wondering what's going on out there that we're not a part of. Um, and then they leave and then they're in the car like in front of the, the convenience store or something they're having. that They're t- talking about the story and Camille's just talking about how they were also mean to her and you can see the character growth of this character that we know because Camille said that she w- had to go through some rough stuff and then we see that she was like empathetic towards Camille and never said anything about the scar that she saw yeah. and then grows up knowing that and then we see her now and, and the kind of person that she's become. And I just think that that character interaction is what makes when gap feel real, and I think they do that throughout. So and yeah,
0: uh, we didn't get like that's an addition to the show, right? Uh, yeah, that's yeah. A, that's I, I just think sure. that's a smart addition, and I and I also really liked it. Um, and I think it was a lot of uh, yeah, that character. There's somebody else who can kind of see through the bullshit at least, right? It's not just Camille. <laughs> so I think we got a hint of that, but not definitely. This was a lot more of that. We get a scene where they they find. Um, one of the girls bikes in the near the pig farms. They pull it out and it's covered in mud. And we didn't get this scene in the book. I don't. I don't remember. And I think it's it's supposed to tie to to John and, and why he's under investigation. I wanted to to do a shout out. Um, so I've been listening to last podcast on the left, which uh, Caitlin told me about. <laughs> um, and and it took me a while to get into it, but I have been listening to it a little more. And on my flight to and from WorldCon. I was specifically listening to their episodes about Robert Pickton, mm-hmm. um, the serial killer from Can- um, from Canada.
1: Do you know anything about him? I, I haven't listened to these episodes. I-, I like that podcast a lot as well, but no, I don't know anything about it, so tell okay. me. Okay,
0: so the reason I call him out is because he owned a pig farm and murdered, like, 50 women or unknown number and would, like, feed them to the pigs and, like, get them sent through these, like... Uh, uh, rendering plants to like get their like human bodies rendered and sold as meat and all this shit. This all happened in Canada not that long ago. And the, the pig farm aspect of it was, is so prevalent. Like that's one of the major reasons he was able to get away with it for so long. And then you have these pig farmer, you have this pig farmer family caught up in these serial killing. You know what I mean? Like I, I, it was impossible for me not to go, Oh my God, the connections to sharp (laughs) objects right now are crazy. Um, So anyway, yeah, I forget what episodes those are, but yeah, I think they do like a three part thing about Robert Picton. And if that sounds uh, crazy and interesting to you, it is, uh, if you like true crime.
1: (laughs) So uh, did you, have you seen Fargo season two or three, I think? Uh, Uh, I've seen, I believe I've seen all of, yeah, I've seen all of Fargo. Yes. So do you you remember the season where the guy who's in the butcher shop, like ends up with the body that he has to get rid of and he like grinds it up? So that's what this, that's what the, the idea of having like a butcher shop or somewhere to get rid of bodies and stuff like that. That's what it made me think of when I was thinking of how Adora is able to get away with this stuff, even though she doesn't dispose of the body through the pig, like how she easily could. Well, we don't know. If she did it. We haven't got it all revealed yet. We don't know.
0: Well, you're right. The bodies, I guess she doesn't
1: dispose of the bodies because they found the bodies. So you're right about that. But yeah. yeah. it It seems like it would be an easy step to go just like get rid of the bodies in that way. I'm drawing um, a blank yeah. on
0: the character's name, but there's a character in the Hannibal um universe which hey, maybe if we uh if we cover if we cover those books we'll really get into, but there's a character in in those books and and, and films that is a that is a pig farmer. He's like a he's like a billionaire or millionaire pig farmer and he definitely disposes of bodies by feeding them to the pigs. So, um which is nothing to snatch. Anyway, completely <laughs> we've we've found a huge pig pig tangent here but I'm wondering how much of that's real and based off of this Robert Picton guy.
1: Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good question. I don't, I don't know. We should look into it. The I guess the only other stuff that I really wanted to touch on is just p- after she takes the drug, I'm willing, I was like, all right, whatever. She's taking the drugs and she's being influenced by these younger kids. Um, but the drug trip and all the way through them, like skating through Wind Gap and yeah. just like her being able to just like feel relief after taking the drugs and then the way that Ama and her are able to bond more I really liked all that stuff. I think that that it may have even been better than it was in the book, where they're like, tra- like, going through wind gap together was so, like, it was just a, a cool moment. And then we also get Vickery seeing seeing her skate by, and yeah, I think they've done a great job to really play up how Camille is
0: starting to view Ama as a, you know, surrogate for Marion, right? And ultimately, and the other girl,
1: the girl from the. Right, yeah, who clinic. who
0: herself was also a surrogate for Marion. Right, right. It's all coming back to Marion. Right, like she's mm-hmm. it's the sisters, and and as much as Amma has proven to be terrible time and again, I think Camille can't help but view her as a Marion substitute and as another girl who's being victimized by her mother, and they can kind of bond over that. Um, but I think that's just setting up the twist.
1: but we'll see maybe i'm completely wrong i'm gonna feel like an idiot for all this um no i have a feeling that you're right so it'll just be interesting to see like how hard the twist hits in the show yeah because they're probably trying to make it um more impactful than it was in the book for people who've read the book if they want to like get something a little bit different out of it out of the show yeah last thing in episode six is uh we see This shot when they're like climbing the staircase to get back into like um, Camille's room, there's this shot like they climb over the railing and then it like the camera pulls out a little bit and we see somebody like watching up the staircase. Oh yeah. And it's just like it's like the it's Miriam's like ghost or yeah, like Miriam is just like constantly around and like the spirit is lingering and yeah, the spirit. I'm glad you said that
0: because I feel like the show is greatly implying that. The ghost of Marion is there to warn Camille and is watching right. because we're we're seeing we're, the reason I say it, I think it's implying that is we are seeing that image when Camille is not seeing it and when it's almost out of like out of frame and like out of, like at the very edge of a scene. So while you can still explain it all away as. As like memory and Camille being hallucin, you know, hallucinating or whatever. Um, I think the show is is putting the thumb on the scale for this being an actual spirit, an actual. You haunting think so? No, I, I don't know that it's going to explore it any more than that. No, yeah. But I think it's, it, I think it's saying this is the ghost of Marion.
1: Well, it's like it's like I don't think that they're going to th- the filmmakers. Everybody involved wouldn't tell you that one right. way or the other. But I I go the other way with it. I think that it's literally the it's like this idea. It's like because the only way that you can represent that on screen is by having it be there. And so for it to be this like lingering spirit. But but you could show it when Camille looks at it. But we don't see that. We see Camille
0: leave a scene and then Marion's there. So to me,
1: that's where like the language of film, to me, it's
0: telling me that is a thing that
1: is there. Yeah, I don't know. For me, it's like it's like the idea that the house is still like. Still has this presence over it, and it's like metaphorically, like that's sure. that's what's like harboring yeah, and, and, over this and, family. And, and clearly, they're blurring
0: the lines between the two, right? Like yeah. they're they're deliberately doing that. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, and yeah, it's not like it doesn't work for me. It does. And and yeah. you know, personally, I think I don't believe in ghosts, so I think that it was, you know what I mean. But right. in the language of the show, and in, in what we're and what we're seeing, I think it's. Um, I think I I I'd lean more towards it trying to say this is a ghost. Um, and then, like, yeah, I mean, I re- is that the end of this scene where she says, "You know, you're not safe here," and and I think that hits that hits even stronger if it's not just a dream and a hallucination, but actually the spirit of Marion telling her she's not safe here.
1: Yeah, it's gonna be crazy. Even in the last episode, they have like Ghostbusters coming to the house or like somebody. <laughs> yeah, to, like... that'll be a twist. It's <laughs> Mary. What if it's Marion herself? She's a Ghostbuster.
0: No, the ghost of Marion has been murdering other little girls. And in the last episode, we're going to get uh, Sam and Dean Winchester are going to come in and (laughs) exercise the demon. (laughs) It's going to be the start of the first episode of Supernatural. Um, Anyway, sorry, that's quite a tangent. I did want to call out another little thing. So I think in this show, we like to talk about big stuff and little stuff, right? So a little thing I loved is right when she's going into the quote-unquote VIP room with the other kids to take the drugs, the camera pans by this plaque on the wall that says... Some call it chaos. We call it family. And it's like, uh, it's the kind of thing you see at Target, right? Like you go to the home decor section and you have like all these little things that say just like pithy little sayings, you know? And it's one of those. But like in this scene where it's, this house is full of partying kids and it's clear that whoever the parents are are not there and don't know what's happening. And um, I don't know. I just love the way that bit of like supermarket kitschy stuff can like plays off of this scene like I said
1: it's brilliant to me and it's all visual and I love it that it's like it plays on the whole the show at large too yeah it's like like the the, the idea of family and chaos is like exactly what's going on with Camille and always has been
0: right so the saying itself yeah you're right it absolutely that's absolutely true um, it, it's, it's such a surface level thing to say but it is so deeply true too which is you know I guess why they sell <laughs> right before we get to 7 they do make a point to to say that Camille's roommate when she was in the hospital drank poison and yes. i think that they're deli- and and knowing what i know about Adora i see that as being very is is very thematically interesting right that yeah. adora murdered marion by feeding her poison and camille's roommate committed suicide by drinking poison
1: yeah it's it's definitely a parallel that they're they're trying to show there So episode seven is called Falling. Yeah, now this is the one you said that was written by uh, Gillian Flynn herself. Yes, and she had a writing partner, but this one was written by her. Camille wakes up to find herself in bed and being treated by Adora. Meanwhile, Richard continues into his investigation of Marion Preaker and discovers that she was uh, actually poisoned by Adora, who likely has Munchausen's syndrome by proxy.
0: Which I will once again pat myself on the back (laughs) for calling out, I think, in our very first episode as as a potential theory.
1: I think so, yeah. Under the pretense of medicine for her hangover, Adora similarly gives poison to Ama. As the police search for him, Camille discovers John Keane at a bar where the two talk before leaving for a motel room and having sex. Soon afterward, the police arrive and arrest John. Richard berates Camille after seeing her in bed with John, ending their relationship. Camille learns of her mother's condition from Jackie and also that Marion's body was cremated to avoid suspicion. After leaving in a hurry, Camille breaks down to, to Curry and refuses his plea for her to return to St. Louis, intending instead to confront her mother.
0: What a great episode. Uh, this this episode is not slow. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I can't imagine anyone feels that way. Uh, I, now, I want a small thing, and I'm going to call it out because I'm not sure if it was this episode or the last one, but um, a, there's a bit of filmmaking that I loved. And it was, you can tell, maybe you can tell me, maybe you'll better remember when this scene occurs. But Camille is driving her car at night. And I can't remember where she's going, but we get the scene where she, you can see her. So there's so many things happening. The car is driving through town. The windshield is filthy. There's, it's dark out. You can see her in the rear view. um, And there's like lightning. I think there's two different bolts of lightning that she can see in the night as she's driving. And like the amount of things that go into that. Composition of stuff happening on screen is incredible to me, and then I think you also have music playing over the radio. Um, it's just it's so great, like it's something that I somehow I feel like you know I've seen a million driving in car scenes,
1: but this one stands out to me as something unique. Yeah, I mean, we it's, it would be an entire that's something that I struggle with on this podcast if we're being honest. Yeah, is that we have to talk about story because story is something that you can talk about a lot. Um, in a podcast format, while and I, I, we can't show you. Like, exactly. I wish I could.
0: I could show you what I'm talking about. And here, look, look, exactly. look at this little scene. Yeah, and if I
1: could do that, I would. I would be. I mean, I would love to just break down the sort of like shot compositions and and like framing, and just the mise en scene of of this of this show and just the, uh, the certain scenes and the way everything that goes into it. But we're limited yeah. for time, and we don't have a visual element. So I yeah. I completely. I just want to say. You. So
0: normally, normally when you're in the car, the the camera is. Like either in the like passenger seat or like in the front looking back at you driving right, mm-hmm. um, and and this is the opposite of that where the ca- the the camera behind her almost or at the center of the car and it's facing the 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 front, and then you see you only see Camille through the rear view right, and there's it's something so authentic about it and makes you it makes me feel like I'm in the car with her in a way that really stands above like what I've seen in other shows and other movies yeah I don't know incredible and just
1: yeah. I think that's a, that's the goal of a filmmaker. If you're ha, if you're a, if you're a very grounded filmmaker, or you're making a very grounded project, then you're going to do everything you can to make the audience feel like they're there in every yeah. way possible. So just the creativity that goes into something like that, and and
0: and they and and you can you you could totally see someone saying, "Clean this windshield up so that we can see what we're driving." You know, we can see because I think it's this, this is filmed in a car. In my in my opinion, it does not seem to be something they added with green screen or whatever, right? And They could easily have said, like, I want to have this 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 windshield clean so that you can see. But instead, they left it filthy. And I thought that
1: was so brilliant because it's so authentic. Right. Well, it's like it's that. And it's also like every little decision that goes into making a shot that that is why it would take forever to break all this stuff down is is I think that windshield represents the character, too. Right. Camille, she doesn't care about cleaning her windshield off like she's going to leave it dirty. Yeah, no, you're right. So and like that's where she is in her life, and that's where like all of those things, those tiny little things, play into characters, how they're feeling, how they're, you know, how their arc has is going. If like over time she started to clean her windshield, we might not even notice that, but subconsciously, like that's something threaded in by well, filming yeah. Movies. I, if you wanted to talk about seeing the the mirror image
0: version of Camille and not seeing her directly, I think is also you can also read into that, right? Like we're seeing the inner self because there's a lot of mythology built around. The person you see in the in the uh, in the mirror being your inner a reflection of inner self, right? Because it's it's this almost doppelganger of you.
1: Mm-hmm. But what does it mean? So this is another thing. Let's take it a step further. What does it mean yeah. that we can only see her her eyes, her face? We can only see a partial reflection of her. So is that supposed to supposed to mean like the rest of her is is still submerged in some sort of turmoil or something that's going on? Like we're only seeing a part of her. And yeah. it's just it's well. Also, we we
0: see her eyes, which you know, window to the soul, as they say, and and it allows Amy Adams to do a bit of acting with her mm-hmm. eyes, even though she's not directly on camera. And then also, you know, what we talk about this in True Detective, the perception as being um, this is a philosophical thing too about the locked room of our of our minds and how we exist as a thing locked inside a brain that only views world through our sensory perceptions. And maybe this this you know mirror image into her eyes is is depicting her inner turmoil, ter- mental turmoil. Right. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Right. And so her turmoil in her mind is reflecting this like dirty you know lightning filled darkness that she's looking out at. And so yeah, I mean, there's so much in that scene we've just talked about for t- you know ten minutes, <laughs> but you
1: can see why I had to mention that though. Yeah. Even absolutely. though it seems simple, like that, I was struck by that scene. It was like I thought it was incredible. Yeah. And there's so much of that in the show, and that's why it's it's a shame that we can't, you know, break down every scene and think try to think in the mind of the filmmaker. But, I, I mean, I love to do that kind of stuff. I find it just fascinating, and, and I thrive on that. So, we're in episode seven now. So, Richard has his own little subplot here of, of investigating. Now, he does this
0: in the book, but we don't get it because we're very locked into Camille's perspective. But we actually follow Richard... Looking into all this stuff, right? Like how did you feel about that change?
1: I actually liked it and and something else is that he he kind of put all the pieces together Before he he like he put everything together before he met with Jackie and then he met with Jackie and That like pushed it over the edge and he really I mean he had this whole thing like blown wide open Just hadn't said anything to Camille yet And I I think it was cool to to see all of the stuff that he went through he went to like that the clinic where the, the nurse was working which we got in the book well, we heard about it in the book. We, we It was Camille who went and did it in the, in the book. So yeah, I liked it. I thought it was cool. And I think that it makes it, because we're with him so much of the episode, it makes it more impactful when she's like found cheating on him later. And... So we actually haven't gotten confirmation, or Camille hasn't gotten
0: confirmation that Adora killed Marion. Oh, she gets it from Jackie. That's what it is. She gets it from Jackie because when she hears that Adora had Marion's body... Cremated. I think that's the tipping point for 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 Camille where she she really believes that, that this is confirmed this this happened,
1: yeah, but the reason she went to see Jackie was because Richard left the paperwork like her files in her car right so so yeah, you're right that led to her so
0: it was like I think that was like her going, oh shit, this is probably a thing versus like that was the confirmation she needed I think to to fully buy into it right because that's when we see her break down and call Curry, which great bit of acting by Amy Adams like I was I knew this scene was coming. I'd read it already, but um, I thought it was very emotional, like just seeing how distraught she is, right? Mm-hmm. so Richard, I think following him in the show and the subtle changes they've done to the character has made him a lot more likable, which led up to the uh the sex between her and John, Camille and John just being I don't know just like a way more impactful scene to me it, it was just it was it was really interesting because I felt so bad for Richard on one hand. But then I also feel so bad for her and and just the um it's it's one of those things where it's just two people crashing into each other right and nobody's in the right and in the wrong here like it's it's bad all around the stuff that Richard says to her is terrible right
1: and how how oh my god how hard it was so hard to watch that that part where she was breaking down and like like trying to have sex with him when w- yeah. when he and she was like don't like hate me and all that that was that was like poof. That was tough. Yeah, and and we got that scene in the book later, and I, it felt a little off to me. But
0: I think it works much better in the in this scene because it it's like it's that's a very high emotion thing, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas in the sh- in the in the in the book, it felt more calculated almost. Whereas here, it was like she's just caught up in the moment and it's just trying anything she can do to make make him like her still. And yeah, that was so tragic. And then what does he say? He says you're a, you're a slut and a drunk and a drunk and in the way he says it is very adora like like it's a very just like i'm gonna say the thing that i know is gonna hurt you the most in this moment mm-hmm. and while it's like justified too though like i felt for the guy he'd been doing all of this kind of on her behalf all this investigation and so as much as it's like an awful thing to walk in on her in this moment um i also like i understood why he was so mad and and it i don't know it's just so it's such a messy thing and it, and i felt bad for everyone involved i guess
1: the, you were talking about Amy Adams' portrayal, and just I think that this this whole show is basically just an Emmy reel for for Amy Adams and Patricia Clarkson. I mean, they're just they're killing it. It's just like yeah. I, I, I mean, I don't know. I I
0: haven't seen enough of what else is out there right now, and I know there's other great stuff, but I just feel like I don't know if she should win it, but she should be nominated, and maybe she, I mean, look at the
1: absolutely. end of the day, if if she doesn't get nominated, like it's not like. It, the end of the world or anything but i just feel like this is a portrayal that i would be like wow this is something special and i would i would want to wow. see this get acknowledged and and we know that there's a lot of like weird kind of almost political stuff that goes into
0: emmys and and i mean like like hollywood politics mm-hmm. like like you know who deserves things and, and what is, what are the critics watching and what flies under the radar. And, you know, you'll see, you'll see people get, you'll see a show get nominated like a season or two after it should have been nominated. It's like almost a retroactive. Like they realize they made a mistake by not nominating. Like we see this with breaking bad. They nominated breaking bad for like the fifth season um, and it was almost like a retrospective going. We oh shit, we missed this in season three when it was like at its height. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think all the seasons are Breaking Bad are incredible. But I, you know what I mean. Like I'm saying that there is some of that can go into Emmy. So there's a lot of bullshit. Um, but I have also heard that the Emmys love to give uh, live to, love to give awards to uh, a list actors who who come into the TV realm. Um, so I, you know, Amy Adams
1: is that. So so maybe maybe she's got a good chance. We get the shot of actually it's kind of like a flashback of Camille seeing Adora holding the baby and doing the biting. And that was like, seeing that on screen, I was like, holy shit, like that was so creepy. I wanna know, I I would love to know
0: how well that worked for show only viewers. Because I knew what was happening in that scene as a book reader. Mm -hmm. But I wonder if it's just like, what the fuck is even happening when you're watching it as a show? Like, I don't know, or did you get that that's Adora biting an infant to make the infant cry to get attention and that
1: all feeds into the Munchausen thing? Or is it more confusing than that? She gives the line of basically saying like, uh, I have another sick baby and the baby's fine. And then she bites it and it starts like fussing. So I don't. I, I, yeah. I get. I see what you mean though. Like and I feel like, it I might can see like to... people
0: thinking like, is that supposed to be Marion? But if that's Marion, how is how is Camille watching it? Like, because in the book it, we get the setup of it's a baby shower for a friend of hers, and that's who that baby is. It's not her baby. It's you know what I mean. Whereas I in the show you don't get the um, sort of. Um, scene setup where you understand what's happening and instead it's just shown to you and and it's creepy but it almost could even be like something she's imagining i don't know like it's it's this weird because i mean we've seen the lines blurred so much here um, I don't know. I would just love to know if anybody would want to write in and, and let us know like, what you thought of that if, you're, if you've only watched the show and maybe not even heard us talk about the whole baby thing, which <laughs> is a pretty small subset of people who are listening
1: to this right now. But if you are that person, I'd love to hear from you. So there's there's one shot that I wanted to call out, and it's just this moment of of Adora crushing up the pills and putting it into like this more pretty-looking like substance and making it like look all legit. Um and and Alan like comes in the room and he like kind of says something about like oh it's th- is it that bad and she's like yeah it's bad and he doesn't you know say anything look more into it he's just like oh okay he's complicit he at least right away.
0: and this is where I feel kind
1: of shitty like I I feel like he's shitty
0: but I he's so weak that I I've come around to starting to feel sorry for him almost like it. Like, how can he not know what's happening? Like, how is he, how can he be blind to it? But I think he is. And and when we see him sort of thinking about Marion, I think maybe that's him starting to realize a little bit of what's been going on. Maybe he's finally starting to make the connections. Yeah. I don't
1: know. I mean, I think that he basically just can't cope with it. Like, I think he's just basically trying to bury it and be oblivious, as oblivious as possible. And that's what the music is just him, like his way of being like, I gotta leave this world behind and just be in my music.
0: I mean, he's, he's,
1: you're, you're right, cause he's, 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 he's blocking out the world with the music. He's
0: blocking out the world with the alcohol, cause we always see him drinking heavily during this. And then, you know, like this is a guy who's sleeping on a fold out couch. He's got his like, old vintage pornography <laughs> collection that we saw. I thought, that was, like, I thought I... that was
1: supposed to be records just with like like women on them.
0: Oh, I thought it was like old magazines, but like from the 50s or something. Like it looked like old porn to me, <laughs> but maybe not. I don't know. Maybe I'm misremembering. <laughs> I I don't know. It's a, He's an interesting character and I really want to know. I'm really curious to see where it goes with him because it could be a big reveal that Alan's the one behind a lot of this and maybe he's been helping... And maybe uh, he, he he I could see him being someone who is fully just being manipul-
1: manipulated by Adora to doing her bidding. Right. So. So how about the the Camille and Jackie interaction where, where Camille actually goes to Jackie and confronts her and asks her about it because her name is all over it. She was uh, like asking for aut- autopsy reports and all that kind of stuff. Um, and Jackie basically just says, like, I did what I could.
0: Yeah, I thought it was really interesting how it ended in this like anger between the two of them, where where Camille was accusatory almost, like how could you let this happen, and and, and Jackie saying, you know, that she did what she could, and no one would believe her, and I don't know, where do you come down on that? Do you are you more empathetic with what Camille was saying, or or do you do you buy that Jackie was did everything she could?
1: I think where I come down on it is, I think that. Jackie I don't think Jackie did enough because she says she told the cops and like I get that the cops in wind gap are corrupt but like you can't just like deal with that you can't just be like well she killed her and that's, that's how it is like you have to figure out a way to get that out to so everyone knows like it's just like the all the evidence is there she had all those documents she requested all those things everything was blocked and then the body was cremated. It just is, it just, I don't know. I feel like I, I'm not as mad as Camille was, like I, you know, but I, I feel like she She should have done more and she's kind of, you know, she She clearly feels bad about it when Camille runs out of the room and she's like, I did everything I could.
0: Well, and she's another character who you could say she's She's sort of been putting the blinders on her, you know, right? And, and through the drugs and through the alcohol and we can see that she's this lush, right? And, you know, similar to what we were just talking about with Alan, you could argue that she's doing that to just numb herself to the guilt she might feel over it, yeah, so a couple of things here at the end of this episode. um we get another kind of wild flurry of images as Camille is driving up to the house. We get the flashback of Alan dancing with Marion we get we get Marion seems to change ages a lot, and then also, I think there's times where it's um I forget her- her name now, but the roommate from the hospital mm-hmm. pops in there sometimes. I've seen her pop up several times. And then we got another moment where we see Ama wearing this like rose crown and standing at the top of the stairs and and, like looking all sickly and like covered in sweat. That was crazy. I don't know. She was really dark. And and, like, what is she doing? And is that really happening? Or is that some sort of weird like fantasy thing? Um, But that to me felt like showing the darkness in that character yeah where that 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 made me feel more like a hey we're coming around to a reveal here
1: yeah that did feel a little because it's the crown it's like some sort of like wreath of like like it just feels like very very dark and the way that she was looking at the camera yeah. and she looked but aldemonic. you could also look at it as biblical
0: right like almost like uh if, if you look at a crown of thorns right like is she a martyr yeah is she playing a martyr here but it looked darker than that to me. Yeah, it was the
1: lighting. You like, know? the lighting definitely, like, made you... And her squinting, her face, like, she was definitely... Yeah. It was almost more, like, hellish. Like, yeah. like is she, a, is she a demon here or something, yeah. right? I agree. I don't know. And so during this montage is something I wanted to... We talked about at the beginning of the episode, but this is the song. This is the one of the songs that I added to my playlist. Yep.
0: Down in the Willow
1: Garden by the Everly Brothers. Yep, I, I that's the one I added.
0: Because I couldn't believe it was a real song, first off. Yeah. Because when I was listening to the lyrics... I was like, "This is this. Was this made for this show? Because it it was it fits so well." And nope, it's a real song. And did you when you looked it up, you saw that it was released in 1958. It's an old. It's an old ass song, like 60 years ago. Um, but man, it was good. It was. <laughs> I, I added it to a playlist because I was like, "This is a good song. It's it's dark and moody and and interesting and and."
1: it's I love songs like that from that era. Well, what's interesting is that I almost feel like it's not like the song has dark things going on in it, but it's not meant to be like a dark song, I don't think.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, like if you listen to it in its entirety, but like the show it is. Yeah. For the show
1: <laughs> to be a dark song. Yeah. And now I'll just think of the show when I listen to it. So. Exactly, yeah. But just great, great song and I was just like continually shocked by how great all the music is and I'm going to go back and just download everything and, so I can listen to it. So I want to hear all your thoughts of, and theories and ideas of where the show is going to ultimately end up, where the characters are going to land. And I want to give you my theories as well.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I'm really, I feel like I've already given a bunch of mine, but I'll kind of, I'll kind of take them and put them all together, maybe make them a little more coherent. But I, yeah, I'm really interested to know where you're, where you're at with your theories now and,
1: and where they may have changed or, and, and all that. Before that, we wanted to thank one of our patrons, Barbara M. She's a $10 patron. And we just wanted to thank you for your support and thank all of our patrons for, for, helping us continue this podcast. Yeah, she's gone above and beyond.
0: She, you know, that's, that's the big money option. Um, there is cheaper options than that. And if you want to check those out, yeah, patreon.com forward slash ink to film, you can see what we're offering. Um, and, and you can help keep this thing going uh, into the future.
1: Also, if you wanted to connect with us on social media, we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all of those at ink to film. We're active on there. So, so send us a message or let us know how you're, how you're liking the coverage or the show.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and if you'd like to reach out to us, another way to do it is to send us an email, uh, inktofilm at gmail.com, and uh, we'd, we'd love to get some feedback about this show, and and we're always open to suggestions for what to do in the future. So another way you can support the show uh, that costs you nothing is to leave us a rating and a review on uh, whatever podcast uh, provider you use, um, but the most important one is iTunes. Um, that's the biggest directory. The most people use it. So that's the, that's the one that has the most visibility. But yeah, five-star rating or whatever star rating you think we deserve. Greatly appreciated. Um, and it really helps elevate the show and, and get new listeners. So that would be awesome.
1: Also, we want to say thank you to Ross Bugden for the use of our intro and outro music. All right, man. I, I, I want to know, know what you, ha, how you have
0: updated your, your theories uh, based off of what you've seen in the show now. Now that we're in the end game.
1: My theories. I mean, I think we were leading into kind of the same area, the same realm of, of theory. So, for the sake of for the sake of interesting podcasting, I want to do I want to do a little bit different. Okay. So, what's your alternate What's your alternate to what I've been saying? Yeah, give me give me give me another possibility. I think that Adora, the the possibility, a strong possibility, is that Adora really is just poisoning Ama, and. Um, Ama may have been like the the like the key to like getting close to these other girls because she was friends with them and maybe like their moms hung out or whatever and she she started to get close and talked you know she was like helping some of them with their schoolwork and this and that and I think ultimately um, Alan is involved as well I think that she she didn't do it she manipulated Alan to do it you know kill the girls uh, like strangle them pull their teeth out put them up okay. in town and then she uh, was just kind of the mastermind behind it all. I don't know how the pig factory plays a part, though, because I I feel like it has to. So what if, I think there's another
0: there's another option we didn't talk about. What about John Keene? Do you think there's any way he's involved in this? Because I don't think he killed both girls, but he also only denies killing one of them in the show.
1: Did but he's like, that? yeah, but he's doing, like, his whole thing. I don't think so, but there is the possibility that, like, somebody killed one girl and in retaliation another girl was killed yeah um i could see that that could be something that um i could see
0: being kind of a another kind of uh big 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 um twist right where there was like maybe multiple killers and but it was like the person who disposed of the bodies did it the same way for whatever reason i don't know
1: what Um, if it really was all along like bob nash and and john (laughs) Keane? bob nash uh, I definitely don't think it's Bob Nash,
0: but yeah, if it was John Keene, it's fucked up too, though, because now now we've seen Camille have sex with him, so that's that added oh shit, you had sex with the killer,
1: yeah. kind of thing, which would be even more fucked up,
0: especially um, because like
1: Richard, everybody thinks that it's that it's not like Richard and Camille at this point think that it's not John Keene, yeah. So, uh, but no, I, so my my theory, and I've talked about it, but yeah, so ultimately I'll
0: kind of condense it down into I think this is the show's going to end with the reveal that Ama. Killed the girls, pulled out their teeth um, to put into her dollhouse, and that maybe she got Adora or andor Alan to help her with the crime a- a- after the fact, like, like cover it up or something. And I could see Adora doing it just to like avoid the embarrassment that it was going to bring onto the house. I don't know, it's going to be interesting to see how they make you buy it, but I think that I feel like that's where we're headed. Um I also think we're going to end on a slightly positive note for Camille and now this is I'm really out on a limb here this could be completely wrong but I think the relationship with Curry is going to be the kind of like saving grace at the end and we're going to, and, and and we're going to see her sort of um, connecting with her newfound family. At least I hope, I guess that's what I hope for her. Like yeah. I want to see her So get do you think
1: that. he's gonna he's gonna swoop in and pick her up and get her out of there all, like when everything's-
0: Maybe, I could see him actually coming to, because I could see like after that last phone call, I could totally see him like hopping in a car and like heading there, right? Yeah. Or on a plane or whatever he would need to do because it was like she was in a bad place. So I could see him there at the end, but will he actually be able to do anything? I don't know because I could also see this going very dark and seeing Camille- you know, either not surviving it or be just being even more broken by the end of it.
1: Yeah, um, where do you see this this Camille Richard relationship going? Do you think they end up together? Or do you think it's more interesting if they don't? Nah, I don't.
0: I don't think so. I think this. I think this is broken. Um, I think we might see like a grudging respect. I think we might see a. Uh, you know, Richard wishing her well at the end and maybe that kind of like mutual thing. But I do not think this is a happily ever after <laughs> they end up together ending yeah. to this story. I don't see that at all.
1: I don't think so either. You want to hear the ultimate happy happy ever after? Okay. So uh, everything goes down with Adora and Alan. Um, Camille adopts Ama. <laughs> Who's and who's now innocent and nice? Wh- who's innocent? Yeah, <laughs> didn't do anything. Who's always innocent? And, and now that she's drugged. been adopted, she she like completely comes around, right? Yeah, she's she's a, the best kid. Um, and then she she ends up with Richard, and Camille, and Richard live happily ever after in the house that yep. they, or do they bulldoze it? And John Keene is their neighbor. <laughs> they sell the ivory to make their fortune <laughs> from the bedroom. <laughs> Speaking of the ivory, I did want to mention that one line where where. Richard just says like as as somebody who wanted to become a vet veterinarian, standing on that floor was pretty pretty rough.
0: Yeah, I like that too. And, and the, it, back back around to me liking Richard way more in the show than I do in the book. But all right, I think we've gone on long enough. Um, I'm really excited and 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 eager to get to this finale. Uh, so I'm I'm looking forward to this, and then that'll be the end of our shop objects coverage. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, next week, right? So we hope you join us for that final episode, and then we'll be on to Corline. Yeah, thank you for listening. All right, thanks. Until then, I'm Luke. And I'm James. See you next time.